This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Thank you for listening to Kim Commando today. This is a replay for July 29th, 2023. Let's kick things off with something super interesting. Now, of course, Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse, we know that's dead. But that doesn't mean that Facebook is. Wow. Okay, there are 7 billion people in the world. So how many of those people are on Facebook? 7 billion people in the world. How many are on Facebook? Anyone care to guess? Okay, I'll tell you the answer. 3 billion. <laughs> 3 billion people on Facebook. They just broke their record. And they say it might be because of Reels. That's the TikTok lookalike feature that's on your feed. Uh, Facebook Reels, they get over 200 billion plays every single day. Wow. And of course, speaking of billions, Mark Zuckerberg, his net worth is $104.4 billion. Could you imagine? I don't even know what the interest every day on that would be. Uh, Elon Musk is at $240 billion. Bill Gates a hundred and twenty-one billion. Hmm. I'll tell you. When you start thinking about it, most billionaires are really just rounded-up millionaires. That's right. The haves and the have yachts. Get it? Oh yes. And on that happy note, you're about ready to get more tech smarts because every single thing is now a tech thing. I'm of course Kim Commando, America's beloved digital goddess. Here with you, it's the biggest show. It's the most trusted show about all things digital. And you can find my award-winning show on over 420 top radio stations throughout the United States. And you can also get us as a podcast, as a webcast, commercial-free, over at commando.com. Just go ahead and click that big yellow button that says Commando Community. And a big hello and salute goes out to all of our listeners on the American Forces Network Radio, reaching over 375,000 U.S. service members, serving in 175 different countries and 200 ships at sea get the Kim Commando Show. And I know that you have a few questions about something digital I can lend a hand to. And that's why our T-Mobile Unlimited listener line is now open for you. It's at one 825 Every single day, I check out 30 different websites to make sure that you're up to date on everything that's going on in the tech burst. And here are five things that you need to know right now. We're going to start at number one. And maybe you'll hear some biblical and other prophecies in the story. But for now, just take it for what it is. Sam Altman. He's the founder of ChatGPT, and he has big plans to bring in a worldwide ID system, whether we want it or not. He owns another company called WorldCoin, and they want to invent a global electronic money system where everyone on the planet would buy and sell, well, everything. It'd be like a global currencies, and without it, you couldn't do business. But to operate such a system, first you have to identify everyone who would use it. Yeah, I'm talking about the entire global population. So follow me on this. WorldCoin envisions scanning everyone's iris because no two irises are alike. So we're talking about non-alterable global identity verification, proving that you're really human to unmask all the aliases and the internet bots. So you'd think that this kind of story would make like major news but for some reason, it's not. Now, to entice everybody to sign up, right now, if you do, you get 
for free 25 world tokens. But again, you have to uh, give up that iris. All right, number two, this is a great report from the Sunday Times. The gal's name is Angelina Amasha. These are fake names. And they work for a Ukrainian risk assessment firm. Now, their job descriptions have taken a pretty dramatic turn since Putin launched that invasion. So instead of running the typical risk assessments, these girls are now being called digital honey trappers. Angelina and Masha, they sweet talk Russian soldiers. Okay, these are men that they deeply despise on dating apps in areas all along the occupied border. They use AI-generated photos of these really beautiful women and turn to gain valuable intelligence. Now, Angelina says she spends two hours every single day teasing and flirting with Russian soldiers online. And sure, she said they ramble on about women's underwear, but it gets a little darker. Uh, They send videos and pictures of captured countrymen, even dead bodies. But in all of this, sometimes these women get little nuggets of valuable information, a, a photo of a military passport, location of Russian troops, stuff that's really, truly useful. The wild part is some of these soldiers are completely falling for it, and they're pledging their undying love and proposing marriage. Wow. Remember back in World War II, they had a saying, loose lips sink ships. Yeah, even happens here. Moving on to number three, the AI lawsuits are rolling in. Have you ever found yourself visiting your doctor for a medical treatment or procedure, and then they come back and say, sorry, insurance isn't covering that? Well, a lawsuit has been filed claiming that healthcare giant Cigna has been using AI to just outright deny claims systematically. Apparently, they denied over 300,000 claims in the last year, and their AI spent, wow, this is just a crazy number, barely 1.2 seconds reviewing each claim. 1.2 seconds, that's it. Now, one case involves a woman from California, uh, Suzanne Kissling-Lung, and she has Cigna insurance, and her doctor told her that she needed an ultrasound due to concerns about ovarian cancer. Sure enough, they found a cyst on her left ovary. But what does Cigna do? They denied her claim for both the ultrasound and a follow-up procedure saying it wasn't necessary, so she got stuck with the bill. So if you've been denied, resubmit your claim. And if Cigna is using AI to evaluate claims, okay, you know, all the other insurance companies are doing the same thing. I recently had a claim denied for my annual physical and all my blood work. It was a $1,200 hit. But here's the deal. I resubmitted the claim, and now I only owe like $50. So if you've been denied, just resubmit that claim because I think AI has been getting involved in all of this. All right, moving on to number four, we the people. Okay, we all know that AI did not write the Constitution, but AI ChatGPT says that we did. So you might be wondering, like, what's going on with that? It's called generative AI. That means that AI is being trained on texts like the Bible or the Constitution or Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn. And for good reason. These books, essays, are foundational works, so they say. They use the language data that they get from these works to in turn churn out texts like them when prompted. So when any of these works are thrown to an AI checker, they think that AI wrote it. So no chat GPT. You're not as good a writer as James Madison, even though you want to. And finally, this coming in at number five. Oh, my gosh. I could not believe this. There's a trend on TikTok uh, where people are suffering from an ailment that they call time blindness. Now, this one gal, she posted this teary-eyed video about just saying, oh, the people at my job, they hate me because I need accommodations because I can't show up to work on time. 
4 million people viewed this. Now, doctors say this isn't necessarily a case. Doctors say that time blindness is a real problem for people with ADHD because they often forget the time, lose track of time, underestimate how much time it takes for any given task. Okay, I get that if you have ADHD, being late may not be intentional, but there is some cool tech uh, to help out. If you have a smart speaker like Alexa or Google Home, you can set easy audio reminders to check your stuff and set timers and reminders. Uh, There's a new web browser called Sidekick. It limits distractions. And you know what? Just set an alarm. Crazy. Speaking of, what did the guy who got fired for always being late say? What did he say? It was just a matter of... Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, why is printer ink so expensive? I mean, it really doesn't have to be. I mean, what is it? It's colored water, right? Well, turns out Americans are dropping $10 billion a year, wow, on name brand ink when we could be refilling it for a lot less. This is not a new concept. But I have to tell you, I read this great report by Jeffrey Fowler. He's the tech columnist over at the Washington Post. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we totally need to get him on the show to talk about this. Because he needed to switch out his tiny HP cartridges. And the damage, well, about $125. But here's the thing. Insider folks told them it only costs around $2 to make those cartridges. So Jeff decided to play around with some alternatives, and he laid it all out in this recent Washington Post article. And he tried everything from the aftermarket cartridges to refillable ink bottles, everything. He rolled up his sleeves. He tried making his own ink at home. Wow. (laughs) Talk about uh, really getting involved in a story. So Jeff, uh, thanks for being here. And tell me from the onset, why did you decide to really go all in on printer ink? First of all, when I listen to Washington Post readers, and I'm sure when you listen to listeners to your shows, rage about printers tops the list of Americans' (laughs) frustrations with their technology, right? You know, we have sent uh, people to the moon, and yet it seems like we cannot make a printer that doesn't make people angry and doesn't make people feel like being ripped off by these companies. And the number one thing that goes wrong with people's printers is that they constantly need ink and the ink is constantly super expensive. And I wanted to understand why is that? And, you know, is it really even necessary? Do we really even have to be spending all of this money? So I did it the way I always do. My reporting is I got my my hands dirty and I said, well, let's let's go inside and figure it out. (laughs) You know, the thing that always irritates me is that when the printer says it needs to calibrate the cartridges and then it just spits out like $10 worth of ink on this page, right? You're like, what's going on? Yeah, it turns out almost everything about the way that these big um, printer companies are are making and selling ink is a scam. Everything from them not really telling you how much ink is left in the cartridge, just telling you, oh, it might be low, you should change it, not telling you how much ink is in the cartridge when you first buy it, or even just causing them to sort of waste ink constantly by calibrating or trying to clean the printer heads or whatever it might be. There's been all kinds of fascinating research that's gone into how much they get you to waste ink just so you'll buy some more. So tell me about your tests that you did. Yeah. So, you know, again, the printer companies make you think like, oh, gosh, there's only one way you can get ink for your printer, and that's to buy it from them. But as you said, that's crazy expensive. Um, just for my printer, uh, which is like a pretty standard HP OfficeJet, it would have been 
uh, over $120 just to replace the ink. So I said, well, I want to see if the alternatives are any good. So I tried them. So I tried buying aftermarket ink from a company that takes um, existing old uh, cartridges and refills them. And I tried um, going online and buying some of these bottles that you can get that come with little <laughs> hypodermic needles that you can then try to inject the ink. Um, and then, I, you know, someone had mentioned to me, you know, some people, there are recipes online for making your own ink. So I was like, okay, I'll give that a try. It sort of like felt very uh, 19th century, but let's give it a go. So I even tried that. <laughs> My big takeaway was you absolutely do not have to spend for that really expensive name brand ink. Um, when you look at the samples of the tests that, that, that we ran, and I've got uh, on the story on the Washington Post, I've got sort of zoomed in views so you can see. I challenge anybody to tell the difference between uh, the full price name brand ink and some of the other ones. Um, there really is very, very, very little difference. And yet you can save half or more by, by going with one of these other routes. Did you run into a situation where HP said to you, we're sorry, Jeffrey, this is not an authentic cartridge, so you're not allowed to use this in your printer? Yeah. So you hit the number one annoyance here. So, you know, HP and these other companies have in the last couple of years started embedding microchips and those little cartridges. And they have those in there and they claim to sort of protect the security of your printer. But that's not really why they're doing it. They're doing it because they want to watch what you're printing and what you're using to print. So, yeah, if they notice that there's a chip in there that isn't one of their officially you know, licensed ones, uh, they might try to at minimum throw up a little warning message that makes it seem like, oh, no, you're doing something naughty. Or at worst, make it seem like your entire printer is going to break. And in fact, that happened to me during one of my tests. It kind of I put in a, 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 one of these off-brand cartridges and I got the blue screen of death on uh, on the oh, no. printer for a moment, oh, no. but then I unplugged it and uh, and then plugged it back in, and it all worked fine. And it doesn't take a lot to fill up the cartridges. What five ten minutes? Is that it, or is it longer? Um, so if you're if you buy the the ready made cartridges, um, they're already filled. They come to you ready to go. You just oh, nice. um, take yes. off the seal and pop them in. If you want to try the hand filling route, um, we tried that as well. You could save even more money just buy these sort of big tanks of ink. Um, I have to say, in our tests, the prints also looked great from those. It did require a little bit more um, steely nerve because you're there with a <laughs> hypodermic needle and you're trying to jam in ink into one of these cartridges. And these, sorry, these cartridges these days have been designed to make that process a little bit difficult and you have to press pretty hard. We did have it in one case where we didn't do it quite right. And uh, some of the black ink did ooze out onto the page when we tried to print. So that, that that approach could involve a little more hassle. But you know what? If you print a lot, it could save you a lot of money. Jeffrey, thank you yes. so much for being here, folks. If you want to read his piece, it's over at thewashingtonpost.com. All right, let's switch gears just a little bit. And let's talk about your iPad, because here's the deal. Apple's going to be coming out with some new iPads in September. They always do. And why? Well, just in time for the gift giving season. So you might have an old iPad laying around and wondering what to do with it. Well, first of all, you can turn it into an e-reader. And unless that iPad is just super old, you can just load up the Kindle app. Goodreads or my favorite app is called Libby. And this lets you get free digital books from your local library. And if you've missed reading the comics because you no longer get a newspaper, 
Uh, you want to put that app chunky on the iPad, too. Now, you can also use an older iPad as a universal remote control for your home television setup. Just add the apps for your streaming media favorites like Netflix, Hulu, Roku, all the others. Just works great. You can also use that old iPad as a digital photo frame, a home security camera, or what you could do is just mount it in the car for the kids in the backseat to watch. Oh, and by the way, if we have cat lovers in the crowd, just add the app Frisky's Jitterbug. Oh my gosh, that cat is going to go simply bonkers. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right, before we go back to all of your great phone calls, and I also have that great tip about the most useful hidden features in iOS 17, and also, I have a great tip about what to do with the stuff that you're going to be passing on to your kids when you pass away. Uh, let's talk about file types because your life is on your computer, right? Your photos, your work, your passwords. And that's why you never want to risk clicking an attachment from an unsolicited email. And here's the scoop on some trends. You need to know the file types that scammers are using. Okay. Of course, we have Excel and Word. They're not the top culprits anymore. Okay. According to research, 54% of malware attacks are using an archive file format like zip and rar. And these, these have outpaced anything Windows because we've all gotten so smart. I mean, we know if it's like a, a Google uh, Doc or a Word Doc or an Excel sheet, we know that, hey, that might be malware. So before you click on an email attachment, I want you to stop and think and don't click that link. Even if it's from somebody you know, it could be something really nasty that you're going to get on your computer. And then you're going to have to call me and say, Kim, help me, help me. I downloaded and I clicked on something and now everything's all haywire. Oh, I hate those calls. All right, back to the calls we go with Heidi in Tucson, Arizona. I run a business and I was looking to do a podcast to kind of help promote my business, but I have no idea how to do that. And I'm kind of uh, way behind technology wise. And I was wondering if there was an easy way for a beginner to, to do this that wasn't too complicated. All right. What kind of business do you have, Heidi? Well, I'm in the uh, alternative health field. Uh, we do energy scanning of the body's energy field. And so I have clients from all over the country uh, utilize my services. So, so I guess podcasts can reach, you know, people anywhere, anytime. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing with, let me tell you the downsides of podcasts just to give you the, the lowdown, okay, the skinny about all this. Uh, there are probably 2 million podcasts on each platform. When we start talking about platforms, talking about Google Play, you've got Apple Podcasts, and then, of course, you've got Spotify, Pandora, and all those other ones, right? But let's just say we have 2 million podcasts. The problem with podcasting is that there's a lot of choices, okay, uh, but the good news for you is that you're very specialized. And so if you have a specialized podcast, you have a chance to getting to the top and getting some listeners. All right. So if you were just talking to me about alternative health and supplements, I'd be like, mm, I don't know about that, Heidi. You know what I mean? I'm not sure if that's going to be because you're going to have a lot of competition out there. 
The other thing about podcasts is that it is a commitment, Heidi, is that you have to do a podcast every single week. Now, I've talked to a lot of people, high-profile people. Uh, one person, if I said their name, you'd be like, oh, they own a winery because that's what they do. And and they were befuddled that I said that you'd have to do this on a regular basis. They, they thought they could do a podcast once every six months. You have to do this every single week, every single week, or else you don't get the traction that you want because then the podcast algorithm say, oh, Heidi did this one podcast. She hasn't come back in eight months, so why am I going to promote this podcast? Make sense? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, sure. uh, so in order to get into podcasting, you need, obviously, you need a desktop, laptop, whatever. You can record it on your phone, but you really want to get a good, solid microphone. We'll send you a link to one. Uh, then you need also tools to record and edit the software, and that's where you're talking about Audacity or Pro Tools. And then you need a platform that will get you into all of the podcast networks and services, and that's where you're going to use a, a service like uh, Podbean. And so they were going to distribute your podcast after you get it all done. And then, of course, you're not going to use any copyrighted music because then you're going to get banned. And it's always a good idea to plan out topics. And you have a little bit of an outline that you can follow so that this way, if you have any guests, you know how long it's going to, you know how long they're going to be talking, what they're going to be talking about. Uh, your podcast length should be at least 30 minutes. You can do shorter daily podcasts, but for your topic, I'd say probably between 30 and 40 minutes would be a nice sweet spot for you. Um, have you thought about doing email marketing? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, I'm in the process of trying to find a reliable uh, company to help me out with that. Okay, so if you want, if you you know, I would start instead of a podcast, I would start, there's more bang for the buck with email marketing. And there you can use a service like MailChimp or Constant Contact. And that's how you, for example, you could send out a weekly emailer about, you know, maybe some new thing that you discovered, some fun thing, and maybe you're off in a special or maybe you're not. And maybe this is a link to your online calendar so people can book their own appointments. And so with email marketing, it seems to be more of an effective tool because it goes right to their inbox because you have their email address. See, with a podcast, people have to search you out. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it. What I want you to do is to augment this as part of an entire marketing plan. So you're going to have your social media under control. You're going to have a YouTube channel with some videos on there. You're going to have email marketing ready to go. And then I would say, let's do the podcast. Because, like, there's just too many podcasts out there, and it's very uh, – just it's just really controlled chaos right now in the podcast marketplace because of all the different varieties. Now, I'm never one to discourage an entrepreneur. If you want to do it, that's great, but just make sure you have everything else all, all sewn up so that this way you can tell your existing network about your podcast so that they can go listen to it. And then they can tell other family members and friends. Uh, we'll send you a link, Heidi. So hang on the line with us to a microphone that I like. And thank you for your call. And keep me posted on your success. I just know you're going to do great. Now, of course, this begs the question, how much can you make having your own podcast? Well, for this, we have to do a little math. And I've got to pass along some terms. It's called CPM. You know what CPM stands for? Cost per thousand. So commercials are based on cost per thousand, and you normally have no more than three commercial breaks within a podcast. 
So how much is a CPM? Well, let me tell you, it just ranges from a dollar to maybe even a hundred dollars. It depends on the host. So again, somebody's going to pay a dollar to reach a thousand or a hundred dollars to reach a thousand people. Now, in case you're wondering how to do the math, just go ahead and Google search CPM calculator online or use ChatGPT and say, you know, what is the CPM or how much do I charge if the CPM's ten dollars or twenty-five dollars? It just makes the life easier. But generally speaking, and I hate to use the word generally speaking, but a podcaster with around 10,000 downloads per episode can expect to earn somewhere between, and it's a big range, between $500 and $1,200. Again, because it depends upon the CPM. It depends upon your specialty, how many commercial breaks. So just think about $500 to $1,200. All right. I've been using iOS 17 for about a month now. And in case you want to try it before it gets officially released in the fall, just head over to beta.apple.com. Once again, that's beta.apple.com. It's been pretty stable. I haven't had too many issues. Well, sometimes the screen looks a little wonky and a few times it didn't want to connect to Apple CarPlay, but it seems to have kind of leveled out. Once again, that's beta.apple.com. But here are some highlights in case you want to check it out and maybe just a sneak peek of what's to come. Like with iOS 17, you know all those symbols, those warning lights on your car's dash? Yeah. Now you can actually take a picture of it and it will identify it and tell you exactly what you need to do. It also works on like symbols that you have as far as like being able to wash certain things and if they are dry clean only. So anytime you have a symbol, now iOS 17 is going to help you. Okay, cropping photos. You no longer have to tap a couple of buttons to crop a photo. Basically, all you do is you just have that photo and you do that two finger pinch and you zoom in and then, oh, a crop button appears and you're like, thank you. Thank you so much. Now, also coming are what's called interactive widgets. Like, say, for example, that you're going to be cooking um, a souffle or maybe you're making lemon chicken or, or potatoes, whatever it might be. And so now you can have that recipe right on your phone and you can have the phone closed and then you just tap the recipe icon and then it will show you each step along the way. You can also listen to articles instead of reading them. Listen to page is now going to be right built into Safari. So in case you want your phone to read something to you on screen, you've got that. You can also easily share your passwords with all the folks in your family on your keychain. Um, this is really handy. Of course, we know that we've always been able to ping your phone when you lose your phone. But what if you lose your watch? Yes, thank you, because that happens to me way too many times is now you can ping your watch and find out where your watch is located. You can also automatically delete all those one-time passcodes. And this is also really super handy. You know how like when you look at a URL in Safari and it's not just the web address, but it has all this tracking information behind it? Well, now Safari will automatically delete those trackers from those addresses when you share them, which is really super handy. We have a whole list of what's to come in iOS 17 over on the website. That's commando.com. All right, Laureen in Minneapolis. My mom is 75 years old. Real quick backstory. Okay. Um, my parents were born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, we've lived in Minnesota now for 40 years. My parents made the trip back and forth from Minnesota to Ohio multiple times together. However, now my father passed away about a year ago, and my 75-year-old mother is bound and determined to drive to Cleveland, Ohio, all by herself. Um she is yeah. of sound mind and body, and she's just fine sure. driving. Um, however, she gets 
sometimes confused by technology and her GPS, and then she gets flustered. So she asked me if there was a way I could track her while she's on this trip. Okay. So, all right. Uh, what kind of what kind of devices do you have? Um, she has a Samsung A20, and I have a Samsung Galaxy S9 Plus. Okay. Um, okay, I, I can give you the steps on how to use Google Find My Device. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm not going to go. Th- I'm not going to go through all that on the phone with sure. you because it gets like boring for everybody to for okay. me to say go to Android.com/slash/find all that other stuff. Okay. Okay. But what I want to do is I want to talk to you about not just Find My Device. I want to talk about if this were my mom, what I would do. Okay, okay. that's what of I want to know. Okay, of course I would turn on Find My Device, and that's a given. Uh, And I wish I could tell you that there were three other apps that did the same thing, but there are not three other apps. There's only one that does everything that I'm about to tell you, and it's called Life360. Okay, Okay. I was going to ask about that. That's the only one I've heard of. Yes, so Life360, it has crash detection. Not saying she's going to get in an accident, but if she does, I would want to know automatically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it also has roadside assistance. So if she has car trouble, that guess what? You get five miles of free towing or 50 miles of free towing, but then she can just hit a button on her phone and then it will call a tow truck. Okay. Wow. Like that. Yeah. Uh, there's also where you could see where she's been. And you can see how fast she's going, how slow she's going, where she has <laughs> stopped. Okay. Okay. Uh, you could do a geofence that says if she doesn't, if she goes off of this highway, I need to know. Oh. Okay. So love that. So, so there are all these other great things other than just I can go on my phone and say, oh, great, she made it to Canton, Ohio. You know. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. That's what. So, or she, or she's stuck, or she calls you. I'm stuck. I got a flat tire. You know. And she sounds like she's super independent, and I yeah. can tell you are too. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and uh, the way that I would pitch this to my mother is I'd say, you know, for how many years have you worried about me? How many years has she worried about you? Your whole life, right? Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Okay. Now, okay. So now you're starting to worry about her a little bit. Not that you haven't before, but she's so accustomed to making this trip with her with your dad that this trip is going to be an emotional event for her. Oh, gosh, yes. Okay. And that's the way I would sell it to her. Well, you know, the funny thing is she she actually is the one who asked me if there was a way I could track her. Oh. So, uh, I don't think Well, I that's easy. It. Yes. Okay, good. Um, then you know what? Question. Then just tell Go just ahead. tell her to do that. Okay, I do no, have so, one question. No, you know what? That's easier. Sorry. Go ahead. I do have one question, however. I love my mother, um, but I also don't need her to know where I am at 24-7. So with this app, you know, is, I mean, is it, like, is it possible to do that where I can track her, but she doesn't know where I'm going? <laughs> oh, you can turn off your own tracking. Oh, okay. You can cool. do that. All right. You can do that. <laughs> um, you know, because I know that gets a little, sometimes it gets to be a little much. You I know what I mean? I'm at home 24-7. I get that. <laughs> you know, I don't care. She doesn't need to know. 
It's like, go do something, go out, you know, right. whatever it may right. be. Um, so, so you know, Live 360, and I'm glad that she's on board because so often I take these phone calls and uh, the older adult isn't, and then we've got to convince them. And uh, let me know how it works out, Larry. Always appreciate some feedback. Think about your heirlooms in your family. Maybe it's your grandfather's old rifle, your mother's wedding dress, all those precious photos, and they hold stories, and you want to preserve them for generations. But how do you do this? Okay, there are several ways to protect and document your family treasures, but the right app makes it a lot easier to use. Uh, one option is called Thingy-Ology. Yeah, I know. I didn't name it. It's a digital inventory system. And what you do is you capture images of your family heirlooms, like your uh, father's old pipe, along with the description and the story behind and the story behind each item. That's where it becomes super handy. Now, for organizing and managing archival photographs, that's when you want to use Tropy. This is free software that was developed by George Mason University. It lets you add the metadata, tags, annotations to your images. This way, they're easily searchable and well-organized. So for everybody who's ever called me and said, I want to have all of my photos digitally, and I want to be able to look up a picture of grandma making dandelion wine, and I want to tell the story behind the wine and where it came to be, that's the program for you. Once again, Thingyology, that's the inventory system. So maybe if you have various collections of, say, golf clubs, yadros, um, stamps, whatever it may be. That's where you want to use that program. And if it's going to be photos, you want to use Tropy. And in case you missed those, we have them over at commando.com. Just search for, I don't know, heirlooms. And I'm sure this tip is going to pop up for you. And speaking of, what do you call an heirloom vape pen? What do you call an heirloom vape pen? You ready? A family jewel. Ho, ho, ho. Hey, do me a solid. Tell three friends about the Kim Commando Show. You can find me at commando.com. This program is a copyrighted production of Westar Multimedia Entertainment and protected by the copyright laws. Any rebroadcast or use of this program for commercial, business, economic, or financial purposes without the written permission of Westar Multimedia Entertainment is strictly prohibited.